Hello, dear faithful listeners. It's me, Suze. I'm here with a redaction. I have heard from so many of you, from so many walks of my life, in person, text, Instagram message, Facebook message, people I haven't spoken to in ages about something I said on our last episode, Swipe Night. And I knew that there was a significant chance I may get canceled for Swipe Night, (laughs) but I didn't expect it to be over this one topic that everyone has reached out to me about. And that topic was what I said about Super Mario Brothers. And I'm not excusing my behavior, but I do want to say I was not aware. I was ignorant and I was, <laughs> I was I was so ignorant. I was ignorant and I was not aware that Super Mario Brothers is the same they're the same characters as Mario Kart. Now I've also <laughs> Now, I also learned in the myriad of conversations I've had about this Uh topic that Super Mario Brothers is not the same game as Mario Kart, but the characters are the same. And I have played Mario Kart many, many a time. I've never to my memory played Super Mario Brothers. I may have and forgotten it. I'm not sure. Don't. Please, no more cancellations. (laughs) But but I'm sorry. I don't want to offend. However, I do still stand by my swipe no. I think that's fair. Um... I stand by the belief that that was not the person for me. Uh-huh. She can find someone who will embrace Super Mario Brothers so much more than I can. However, I am always open to learning. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really open to learning about that. But my knowledge is limited to Mario Kart, and I'm normally Princess Peach. <laughs> This has been a very learning experience for you. Like, I think it's been good. We've learned stuff about our listeners. Yeah. I've been dragged. (laughs) And and you've learned the the differences and similarities between Super Mario Brothers and Mario Kart. I have. Which is is an important lesson for any adult to learn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I have been dragged through the mud. And I, I, I'm open to playing Super Mario Brothers. Is that what it is? Super Mario Brothers. Not Mario Party, which I also think exists. Mario Party is fun. There is a lot of games, and I love that Mario seems to be doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> Have all of these? He, he gets around. He's well employed. I love that. I love, I love that. Like, make your money, Mario. Yeah. So I'm open to playing all of them. I'm I used to play Mario Kart a ton like growing up and stuff especially in high school mm. and I've of course played it many times as an adult as well. Yeah, I just want to say I've heard you and we will continue to hear you. Yes, we appreciate your feedback. However, however it comes. Yeah. And um when it's constructive, we we will take that to heart. We will. I've <laughs> I've really taken this to heart. I'm so I'm so glad. I'm so proud of you. I have though. I don't want to offend our listeners. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. So maybe if you didn't rate the podcast <laughs> or follow or leave a comment on Apple, depending on where you listen to your podcast, because of my Mario rating or my because of my Mario statement. Mm-hmm. Maybe with this redaction, you will feel comfortable enough to rate us on Apple and Spotify, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, and follow on either. So please consider if you haven't left a review yet, if you haven't 
if you haven't subscribed or if you haven't followed the Instagram account, maybe that could be three things you could do today. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the redaction is just turned <laughs> a promo. I stay promoting. I stay promoting. I was at a bar the other day and a man kept talking to me and I asked if he listened to podcasts and he said, he didn't really even answer, but I said, do you have Spotify? And I looked up open heart surgery and Spotify and subscribed in his, in his phone. Amazing. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have any shame here. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. All right. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for listening and thanks for forgiveness. Thanks for forgiveness. (laughs) And grace. (laughs) Love y'all. Welcome to Open Heart Surgery, a podcast where two queer best friends delve into the nuances of relationships and get curious about how to become our most loving selves. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Suze. Hey. So we're here mm-hmm. to talk about Gottman research and the sound relationship house theory. Nice. But there's something really important I want to talk about first. Yes, let's hear it. I'm open to short kings now. <laughs> okay. This is important information. <laughs> Do you hear that, women and men, potentially? I I have changed my tune. I am open to a short king. I think they will be kind, mm-hmm. hopefully consistent, courteous, and you know, hopefully emotionally available. <laughs> emotionally available short kings only need apply. <laughs> emotionally available short kings only. This is uh, this is big of you. This is you're really expanding <laughs> your range here. <laughs> Yeah, because height was a height was a was a factor before for sure. I'm not saying there are no parameters anymore, but but I'm open to short kings. Open to short kings, okay. And queens, short kings and queens. And what is a non-binary term? Short knights. (laughs) Short knights. That's below a king. Short short royalty. Yeah, of any of any type. Yeah, I'm over the short royalty now. <laughs> so yeah, that that's new. I, you know, our last episode was on dating apps. Yeah. Just to follow up, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I am exhausted. If you've needed me for the past month, I've been on a date. You've you've been on so many dates. I <laughs> many dates. I it, it's truly been an accomplishment of my life. Yeah. Um and I've learned I don't think I have a type. No, that's great. Which I thought I did. Yeah. But, you know, it has not worked out for me before. So, yeah. I don't think I have a type, except I do think my type might be people that I don't meet on dating apps. Because <laughs> I am struggling with with making a real connection. I'm yeah. like, I don't know these people. Yeah. They're trying to kiss me. And I'm like, I don't even know how you talk to your friends. <laughs> like, I, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It feels a little forced to me. Do you feel like this has to do with some of your, I think we've talked a little bit about, like you kind of have some demisexual tendencies. I do. I'm a bit of a demi bay. Yeah. A bit. <laughs> a bit. Not full on. But you think But you think that might, do you think that plays into how you're feeling? Or yes. Is it just, I'm sure yeah. because I find it so attractive to be friends with someone mm-hmm. and then like pine after them. My God, there's nothing more lesbian. And like want someone and you know, want it to work and be like, oh, is she into me? Like that that I live for that. So it's very Jane Eyre of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, just call me Charlotte Bronte. <laughs> but um is didn't she write it? I think she wrote it. If she didn't write it, we'll cut that out. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely gonna cut it. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely too much of a somewhat literary person to, <laughs> to not, to be okay with it just being out there, me being wrong. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I see people who have successful relationships with people they actually like from a dating app, and yeah. I'm like, 
I think some of these people that I've been on first dates with, I would love to just remain internet friends for the next seven to 11 months <laughs> and then see what happens. Yeah. See, like, I really I have like... I to see your stories. I actually really like... There's something about dating apps that I do actually like. I do, wow. I do like the... Um, it's the consensual nature of it. I like that I have swiped and they have swiped. So I don't wonder if they're interested because obviously they are. So you don't want to pine after someone for three years. Oh, no. I still do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just not on the dating app. Well, before we get into our discussion of the day, which is not short royalty, but Gottman research, mm-hmm. um, do you want to share anything? Yeah, so along the subject of dating and dating apps, as y'all know, I when we talked about dating apps and when we did Swipe Night, I did not participate because I was not on the dating apps at that time because I was dating someone. However, we broke up. How are you feeling about that today? Um, I'm feeling okay. I'm definitely, you know, a little sad. Yeah. And a little... I don't know, trying to name the other emotions I'm feeling. A little sad and a little, I don't know, just kind of processing and thinking like, could I have done it differently? Could I have done this or that better? Could I have handled the relationship differently? Right. So yeah, just kind of like in this place of just kind of processing what's happened and feeling my feelings as they come. It's so healthy to just feel it and sit with it for a minute and let it pass when it naturally passes. Yeah. So overall, I think my biggest takeaway was that I'm just not ready to be in a relationship. Like, I think I'm in the place where I could continue dating or start dating again. But, you know, the person I was with, we, you know, we started dating and we started calling each other like... I don't know. We never came up with a good term of what to call each other. Right, because you're both non-binary. We're both non-binary. Yeah. So we were, like, we played around. We, like, considered, like, boyfriend, but B-O-I. Right. <laughs> but, like, that was still, like, I don't know. And, like, I was fine with that term for them. But, like, for me, it felt weird because, like, I felt like I had to explain that. I don't know. We use, like, partner some or, like, but partner, I kind of feel like, is a more serious term. So I didn't yeah. use it that much. Um, But anyway, we were exclusively dating each other. And I just realized, like, I'm not ready for that. Like, I'm just not ready. You know, like, I would go over to their place. I would, like, hang out with their family. And, like, their family was super nice. And I like like them. Right. That's just not not the place I was at. I realized I wasn't. It was, it became increasingly aware to me that it was, like, more of a commitment than I was ready to make. Mm -hmm. And... It's hard because like there were points in the relationship where I thought I was ready to make that commitment, but I don't know. It's like, it's hard to kind of judge those momentary feelings of like, oh, this feels really good. This feels really right. And then you balance that with like times when I was just like, I kind of quit working on myself, you know? So I spent like the last six months to a year, you know, doing therapy and just like really digging in on like creative projects and things I wanted to do and just like really taking care of myself and I kind of was running out of time to do that so I there were just like multiple times when I felt so drained and so like I wasn't feeding into myself so yeah it was hard it was a very hard decision to make I know I talked to you about it yeah multiple times and I was really struggling with the decision and like what was figuring out what was right for me and what was right for them. It was hard because I do really like them. I, right. They're, they're a great person. They're a great person. They're very cool. Um, I had a lot of fun with them. But like at the end of the day, we were just kind of in different places and, you know, I wasn't really ready to do that. So it's definitely been a, a learning process for me. And unfortunately, you know, There's no way you can know that you're not in the place for that until you've tried. No amount of soul searching or therapy or being by yourself allows you to know if you're truly ready for a relationship or not until you're in it. And that can be so unfortunate to the other person. And I know that you really took everything seriously and considered their feelings a lot. Yeah. And I mean, we did have discussions along the way. We We talked about how we wanted to take things slowly and- right. You know, we tried to be very intentional, but even then, you know, when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, I wish I had like slowed down a little here or like kind of like maybe set up some boundaries there or something. Obviously, there's nothing I can do about it now, but 
I really tried to do, you know, the best I could in the situation at the time and like be honest to my feelings and everything, which like, I think at the end of the day, that's really all you can do. I always try to think like you did the best you could at the time with the information you had available. Yeah. So do you have any, any examples of how you could have maybe slowed it down just because I know I sometimes struggle with that. Like yeah. when I really like someone, I have a tendency to not slow it down. So any advice for me there? I think like labeling the relationship was an area where I kind of wish I had. Um, again, at the time, we'd been dating each other exclusively for a while when we were kind of like, oh, what are we? what do we call each other? Which like, I feel like is natural. Like you're, you know, we're meeting each other's friends, we're meeting each other's family. Like right. it's natural to be like, this is my, you know, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whatever. And at the time I was like, oh yeah, I'm ready for us to like have a label. And I think just like, I wasn't, you know, like I feel like at that moment, if I had realized I wasn't ready for it, even though it's just a small thing, like it's, you I know, know, it doesn't like necessarily mean a lot. Also, I think had I processed that, I would be like, oh, if I'm not ready for a label, that's what this means there definitely probably were a few other times when I could have been better communicating where I was at and I think part of that was like I didn't want to hurt their feelings and part of it was like I mean some of it was I didn't really know where I was at myself there were a few points where I feel like I could have been like hey this is what I need right now this is what I can do right now you know Right. Maybe I'm not in the place where I can see you three or four times a week. You know, maybe we really needed to see each other like once a week or so I think like it's tough. a few things like that, that like in retrospect, I wish I had kind of figured out a way to maybe slow it down a little bit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't know. It's like when I think through like could end this or that differently, but at the end of the day, it's just like, I think breakups are just hard. They are. Yeah. Oh. And it's like. You know, my first breakup and since, since like, being with my partner, uh, my first breakup and, you know, forever. Is this the first time you've done the breaking up? Yeah, like, anytime it's been official. I would say, like, right. I had maybe a something of a situation ship or two <laughs> where I, like, sort of, like, tried to let the other person down a little bit. That word. true. <laughs> I just had a... a a very apparent shudder when Adrian said situation shit. Yeah. Um, where, I, where I like maybe kind of let the person down a little bit and was just like, oh yeah, no, this I don't really think this is going anywhere. But like I would say this is the first actual relationship breakup I think I've ever been the one doing the breaking up. So mm. I one thing I definitely had to let go of is so I am I am I consider myself a very nice person. <laughs> and I confirm that <laughs> um and i love people i love for people to think of me as this incredibly nice person i love people to love me you know like i'm very much a person who like i want everyone to like me anyone who's listening to this i want you to know adrian is quite possibly the most liked human <laughs> i have ever encountered like not only are they a great friend but like there something happens when you're just with Adrian walking around. I've never seen a person just get so many compliments from strangers. Uh-oh. Not only just because they dye their beard cool colors, but <laughs> and that does draw some do. great compliments. That does get a lot of but I mean, people are so drawn to Adrian and like they exude this great energy. Uh-huh. So keep That's going. So nice of you. But just wanted that to be clear. Uh, I love you. Thank you. I get, like, I feed on that so much that, like, the idea of someone being upset at me is very hard for me. <laughs> I really hope that they don't harbor the upsetness for a long time. I hope And not, I don't, too. I don't see that happening because you were very, I feel like you were intentionally as kind as you could about, you could be about something really hard. Yeah, I tried to be. I hope so. But, like, I think that was something I had to let go of. I had to be yeah. like... It's okay if not everyone likes me all the time. <laughs> and, and like I had to be okay with that. And I've had to I've had to be okay with that. Like in other times, obviously. Like there are times when I get like I have to let my people pleasing nature kind of go aside because I have to be like, okay, it's okay. I we were talking to one of our friends, one of our good friends, Re, and they made the statement about how sometimes you have to be selfish and being selfish is hard. 
But like sometimes being selfish is actually the best thing for everyone involved. Yeah. And that's what I, I feel like that was one of these times. Yeah. Truly, I have broken up with people and been broken up with probably, I would say, almost evenly, but I've probably been broken up with a little bit more. And every time someone has broken up with me, not in that moment, (laughs) but always I see it as a gift. Yeah. Even my divorce. Like, hardest thing ever, but a gift because I'm free to explore other things that are better suited for me and meant for me. Yeah. And I really hope the person you are dating comes to see it that way too. And yeah. I think that they will. Yeah. That was another good thing for one of one of our other friends, Emily. I just got so much good advice from friends <laughs> over the, the past few days. Again, um, because you're so lovable. <laughs> but uh, I'm just, I'm surrounded by so many good people. But she made the statement of like, you don't want to be holding them back from someone who's better for them. And I was like, that's such a good way to put it and such a good way to think Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I actually, I wrote a poem about it Mm. because, of course, I did. Yeah, I love that about you. Um, You're such an amazing poet. Thank you. I don't know if we've talked about this, but I do write poetry. Do you want to throw out your poetry account? Yeah. Handle? Yeah, so if you want to follow my poetry account, it's at AP Writes Poetry on Instagram. But yeah, so I wrote a poem about this. If it's someone I've been interested in for more than like, a week (laughs) i've probably written a poem about them (laughs) that's really cool so i of course wrote a poem about this so here's my poem it's called crossroads we met at a crossroads and we walked down the road together for a little while our paths weren't made to go together for too long at least for now impossible to see the future is and i really hope i didn't cause you to wander off the course you were destined for. Because I really enjoyed the time we spent together. That's really sweet and heartfelt. Thanks. Hmm. What a great poem. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. (laughs) Big thing that you did. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Thank you. As hard as it is. Should we pivot to our topic of the day? Yes. Okay. So today on the podcast, we are talking about doctors John and Julie Gottman. I heard about their work probably a couple years ago. And just for full disclosure, when I was going through my divorce, we did couples therapy and we worked with a Gottman-focused therapist because I really like the way John and Julie Gottman approach divorce and approach different techniques for therapy, especially as it relates to divorce and hopefully staying together. Clearly, that did not work for me. (laughs) Okay. All right. But I will say, no fault of the Gottmans. No fault of the Gottmans. are not to blame. No, I still believe in them. I still follow them on Insta. I still follow their institute on Instagram and just wanted to share that. So I do have a bit of experience with doing some Gottman style therapy. Just Mm -hmm. a bit though. We weren't in couples therapy for long. (laughs) Probably a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) The, The damage had already been done. Yeah. A tip for listeners. If you're listening to this and you think, ooh. I'm in a relationship, even if it's happy, should I be in couples therapy? The answer is yes. Start couples therapy before you ever need it. That's 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 honestly very good advice. You heard it here, folks. So John Gottman is famous for his work on marital stability and divorce prediction. He has conducted over 40 years of research with thousands of couples to help really determine what couples are likely to stay together and what are what couples are more likely to get divorced. Julie Schwartz Gottman, his wife, is the co-founder of the Gottman Institute and also a highly respected psychologist. Um, she's an expert on marriage, sexual harassment, domestic violence, gay and lesbian adoption, same-sex marriage, and parenting. Very interesting. Mm. So the Gottmans have created 
an institute, the Gottman Institute, that is focused on the mission that all people are capable of and deserve compassion, and they try to help create greater love in families and relationships. Dr. Gottman says that although everyone feels their situation is unique, they have found that all marital conflicts fall within two categories. Either they can be resolved or they're perpetual. So they're part of your lives forever. And Gottman says that 69% of marital conflicts are perpetual problems. And those are the problems that they focus on. The problems that keep recurring in your relationship. And you all know what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) It's that issue that's never quite resolved that just keeps coming back. And... I can say that was totally something that was present in my marriage. And I wish we had resolved that very differently and earlier. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Like in my past relationship and my marriage, there were definitely like some perpetual issues. Same. Yeah. And I kind of look back on them now and I'm like, why were they even such issues? Yeah. (laughs) Seems so silly, but I didn't know that then. Yeah. You know? I will say I will say for my relationship, which was which was very good, as we've talked previously. You know, my partner is still my platonic partner, so we're still very close. But we did work through a lot of our our perpetual issues, and we did find ways to work through them. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, my ex-wife and I did not, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> um, all right, so the Gottman method is an approach to couples therapy that includes a thorough assessment of the relationship. You do a really in-depth assessment of your relationship. And then it integrates research-based interventions based on what the Gottmans call the sound relationship house theory. And John and Julie Gottman developed nine components of healthy relationships known as the sound relationship house theory. So I thought we could just kind of go through those. Yeah. I'm going to share the visual of this house with Adrian, and then we will also upload an image of it on the Instagram and other socials. So here's a photo of the house, just so you can kind of see. It's almost like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what it looks like. All right. So I let Adrian look at it for approximately two seconds. Do you have it memorized? (laughs) To exist, the house needs trust and commitment. Those are kind of the pillars of the house. Okay. The Gottmans say that there are ways you can build trust, commitment, loyalty in your relationship. You can make trustworthiness a main priority, avoid negative comparisons, things like that. So trust and commitment, you really need that to Mm -hmm. have a house at all, which I agree with. Yeah, that's a great way to put Um, it. So the bottom of the house is to build love maps and know about each other's world so how do people want to give and receive love Hmm. that's your foundation i like that term love maps that's an interesting love maps that's a cool way to put it i really like that yeah the next stage in the house is or the next step in the house is to share fondness and admiration you make deposits into each other's emotional bank account. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Third stage in the house we're going to dive deep on today. It's turning toward instead of away and accepting each other's bids for emotional connection. So after this intro, we're going to really dive into these bids with a couple we know, Holly and Robert, and you'll learn all about the Vidzer connection from them. I think they're really successful at that yeah. just from observing them over the years. After turning toward instead of away, the next stage in the house is called the positive perspective. And it says a positive perspective occurs in the relationship when the friendship of your marriage is strong. I think that's so important. Yes. Like your friend, like the friendship is so, yeah. such an integral part. And I think it's easy to forget your friends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Why I can't meet people on dating apps. I'm not friends with them. (laughs) All right. Next, you're going to need to know how to manage conflict. And we're talking about this more in an episode this season, how to fight fairly. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. So managing conflict involves accepting influence from your partner and being open to compromise. You know, not no one person makes a relationship. It also involves discussing problems, taking turns, listening to one another, especially about the issues that are perpetual. 
And it also involves really being able to self-soothe and keep yourself calm, not relying entirely on your partner to meet your self-soothing needs. Next up, making life dreams come true. That makes me smile. Yeah, I love that. Finding ways to support each other's goals and dreams. So, you know, you've got all the basics down. You can manage conflict. Now you can really take it to the next level in life. I feel like that piece and the the one before about like the self-soothing, I think Mm -hmm. that speaks so much to like personal autonomy. Yes. Which I think is like so important in relationships. Mm -hmm. I think that's something like, I mean, especially in the religious circle I came from, but kind of as a whole, we talk about marriage is like two people becoming one. And like we've, Mm -hmm. and like that's just not always great you know i mean like they're they're yeah. like definitely is something to a u- of a union there absolutely but like you need to have like you just mentioned like on self-soothing like you need to have some like strength and peace in yourself and you also need to feel like you're free to like follow your personal dreams and mm-hmm. you need to feel like you have a partner who's with you on that so i think that i think absolutely. that's just such a great so, so much great stuff here i think that's really great yeah we got one more step I will say something that you just said has reminded me, and I haven't even mentioned this mentioned this to you in real life because I wanted to save it ooh, for the pod. Ooh, we got a <laughs> podcast exclusive. <laughs> it's not that exciting, <laughs> and I've probably talked to you about it before, just not not in a couple months. So <laughs> it feels exclusive. Um, something that I've been reading a lot about is like how to reject and dismantle toxic monogamy. Mm, That's a, yeah. Because I'm monogamous, but I don't, there are things I have done in past relationships and things other people have done to me that I've allowed. Yeah. And like, I want to completely reject that now. And I love that the Gottmans are talking about practicing self-soothing, like you just said, because that's such a related topic to dismantling toxic monogamy so maybe we yeah. can talk about that more i, I don't know enough about, about it yet more. yeah i definitely would love to talk about that more yeah so last but not least the final floor in the house is creating shared meaning building a shared sense of purpose knowing what the mission and legacy of your relationship is i love it that's great i, I have that. never gotten to that point with a single yeah. relationship i've been in <laughs> and i can't wait to yeah well i can wait <laughs> <laughs> you should wait a little bit <laughs> Yeah, I can wait, but it's going to be great when I get there. Yeah. (laughs) So any questions? We're going to, you know, we're going to really get into the um, turning toward instead of away floor of the house. But anything you want to share before we talk about that? No, I don't think so. I think that, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. Just like those, the principles that that you kind of introduced right there. I feel like there's so much to unpack, but like, I don't know. I don't think I have anything specific questions, I think. All right, so Adrian, since you don't have any questions, and I think we've gotten a you know very surface level preview yeah. of forty years of work, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think let's go into our interview with Holly and Robert. Yeah, let's do that. So today we are here with our really good friends, Holly and Robert. I admire so much about them personally, and I think that you two have a relationship that I've seen over the years, and I've seen a lot more as I've gotten closer to y'all over the years. And I I see so many good qualities in your relationship, and you're two people who really know yourselves, you know your strengths and your weaknesses, and you're always willing and able to meet each other halfway and really be the best partners you can be for each other. And I I love that about y'all. So maybe could you just tell us a little bit about your story, how long you've been together, how you met, what stage of your relationship are you at? Like, you know, is it like a one night stand? Are you married? <laughs> are you like it's a one night marriage? A one night marriage. <laughs> we were married last night. Long. We plan on calling <laughs> it off by sundown this evening. It's a very long night. Well, I'm glad we got you for a podcast. <laughs> it was really the perfect timing. In. Couldn't have been better timing. So we met uh waiting in line to see the band Radiohead at a large stadium venue in Atlanta, Georgia. We both came there with our own respective groups of friends. 
And we were the people that sat on the sidewalk at the early hours of the morning to try and get the best spot up front. I happened to run into his group of friends and I kind of joined their group. I was a bit sick and tired of the people I came there with. So I was like, he's cute and I need to change the scenery. So I'm gonna hang out with him now. And they were very welcoming. We were the second and third people inside the building. So our plan wow. was successful. And then we parted ways and actually did not see one another again for about eight months. Do you still remember like that first moment you saw each other? I remember something very soon after that. I thought she was really cute and I really liked her hair. Uh, was, she is like still great red. hair. I know. And I don't know. One of us made some joke about Nickelback and the other <laughs> one responded very uh, appropriately and very swiftly. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, we have a similar sense of humor. And I remember thinking nice. that I was glad that she decided to ditch her friends and join me in the new line that had formed. It was a mess. It got really confusing, but we <laughs> came out on top. And then we kind of like ran through the arena and then the security guards told us to stop running, so we stopped running, but it was still very cute. And then we weren't really next to each other during the concert, but we were close. And then afterwards, uh, we were gonna go to Waffle House, but Holly didn't have a car. We walked to the venue from our hotel. Okay. Um, that was in March of 2012. So fast forward 10 years, we did reconnect uh, after a summer apart in November of 2012 and started dating. And October of 2021, we were married. Oh, that's so special. And Adrian and I were there. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, it was just a beautiful day, beautiful it wedding, was. beautiful people, beautiful ceremony. And your love for each other really shone through. And you can also tell how great of a relate, like what a great relationship y'all have because you're friends. We're just so excited to celebrate you that whole day, too. So it was just, it was really special to watch and be there for. Including um, the two of you. Yeah. <laughs> a vital part of the evening. Yeah. And so how long have you been married now? Seven and a half eight. months. Yep. Almost eight months. Wow. We both had to count. <laughs> okay. We, went, awesome. we went to a wedding. Calendars are hard. <laughs> we went to a wedding on our six month wedding anniversary. So it was very easy to remember. <laughs> That's fun. So how did you, how did you know you wanted to marry each other? Just a simple question. I feel like it was a... Uh, a slow burn type situation. Yeah. But I do remember very early on, um, and sorry, Holly, this is the story you were going to tell, but I do remember very early on, like maybe a few months in, like less than a year, we were just hanging out uh, in my room at my college house, and Holly said something about like, you know, oh, when I get married to someone, and then I just kind of said, don't you mean married to me? And then I was immediately very embarrassed because that's a <laughs> crazy thing to say. It was very cheeky. Uh, just slipped that one in there. Yeah. How long had y'all been together? Well, like less than a year, I think. Oh, wow. Not, no, le less than six months. It was, yeah. it was very, very soon. Um, <laughs> yes. But it was very sweet. Yeah. But I always wanted to, I, I always preferred to wait um, rather than to rush into it because I felt like, okay, if we are, you know, meant to be together or whatever, and we rush into it and get married too early and we're not ready for the changes and responsibilities, and maybe that could cause issues. Whereas if we wait, then we'll have forever together and everything will be great. So I, I was always uh, interested in waiting. We had conversations about wanting to get married a long mm -hmm. time before we actually did and before I actually proposed but i don't really remember a moment it was just a i think it was like a slow thing where i suddenly realized over time that doesn't really make sense does it suddenly over time no it um, does unconsciously i realized that um that's what i wanted to do and i was ready for that but i don't remember a moment it was just like a it just kind of built and i think there's no better test of a relationship than trying to plan a wedding during a global pandemic yes <laughs> um so when we did finally get engaged that was definitely a nod to our intention to marry one another because mm -hmm. we had to navigate all of these very new hurdles. And of course, we're far from the only couple that has had to go through that. So it just sort of solidified our decision that if we could get through all of the ups and downs of planning a wedding and then planning a wedding during a global pandemic, that we were making the right decision for each other. And it, it ended up being the happiest day of our lives so far. Yes. All right, well, let's get into it. Let's get into why we're here today. So I really want to talk with you, too, about John Gottman's research, specifically about bids for connection, 
So the easiest way, or John Gottman would say that the easiest way to improve your relationship is to really pay attention to your partner during the small, everyday, tiny moments. Those those moments that might seem insignificant. And I remember one time, Adrian and I were talking about this recently, we were all hiking together, like our friend group was all hiking together, and Robert had just gotten a new camera, or a new phone with a new camera. And you were so excited about it, and I loved it. And you were taking nature photos, and you were taking your time on the hike, and you know, you were, so excited about it. And in particular, I remember you saw this cute little mushroom and you took a really awesome photo and you wanted to show Holly and well, you wanted to show the group, but I'm sure in particular Holly, cause that was your fiance probably at the time and now wife. And when you showed her, you know, she could have just said, oh, cool. Or she could have been like, can you hurry up? You know, we're trying to walk. But none of those things happened. Holly was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And like, you had this little tiny insignificant moment of this photo of a mushroom on your new camera, which, you know, those kind of moments happen day in and day out. And maybe that one moment didn't really mean much either way, but over time, the history of those moments can really make or break a relationship. John Gottman calls it masters or disasters. So I would say that you two are definitely masters. And those small little moments, Gottman calls bids for connection or bids for affection. And they can be big or small. Usually they're small, but they can be big or small, verbal or nonverbal. And when you turn toward your partner and you meet each other's bids, that's what really separates the masters, you two, from the disasters. And masters turn toward each other an average of 86% of the time, which I thought was really high and interesting. And disasters turn toward each other only 33% of the time. And that does not get you far. And so I just wanted to talk to you both about this because that was just one tiny moment that I remember. And I'm sure you all must have these moments every day. So do you want to share a little bit about if this has always come naturally to you during your relationship? Have you ever consciously thought about it? How did you get so good at this? Or are you two just naturally, naturally masters? I will say that I was not aware of the concept until you mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, And I also want to take this moment to say that Holly always makes me feel really great about the photos I take. And I really appreciate it. I remember the specific mushroom. It was really cute. It had like a little red. It looked like something out of a cartoon. It had the little red cap with like the little white spots. And he did it on portrait mode. And it was all like perfectly in focus and a beam of light. Let's put a photo of grass. it on our Insta. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> yeah, great. It was will. a great little mushroom. Yeah, we we did a little a little bit of light research into the Gottman concept of bids for connection. And we both kind of were struck by the idea that while we've never put it in this perspective, we've never said, "Oh, hey, I'm making a bid." Right. We have always made a point in our relationship to connect in this way in other types of language. Something that's been really important for us, especially in a society where we have social computers in our pockets and hands all the time, was that when one or the other person wanted to share an anecdote or ask a question or tell a story, we sort of set like a rule where like, if I'm going to talk to you, I'd like you to look at me and we're going to dialogue and we're going to connect and we'll have eye contact. You're not looking at your phone and scrolling while we're talking. Yeah. And so while that could be seen as as a bid or turning towards one another, we didn't put it in that context, but I feel like we've worked to try and do that throughout our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with so many ever-present distractions, I think it is important to to narrow in and, and focus on one another. Yeah, and I think after doing the research last night, what Holly's describing, I think we realized that before we kind of came to that agreement together about, you know, we were going to work on that, that all of those times where one of us would try and talk to the other, the other person was just like on their phone or whatever, and, you know, half listening, or maybe they were even fully listening, but it didn't feel like it. That was like a missed bit or like turning yeah. away or something like that. My, my favorite example of that, which thankfully it wasn't an important dialogue, so I can tell it as a joke, I probably told you, <laughs> is I, I used to work at a bakery and professionally right. decorate cakes. Right. And I came home one day 
I was telling Robert all about this cake and I said, oh, I was really proud of myself because I baked and styled and like decorated it all on my own. And without missing a beat and with the most thoughtful tone, he goes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) It was not a high moment. And I just turned and said, you have no idea what I just said, do you? To which, of course, he had to admit that he had not been listening. Um, And it was very funny even in the moment. But we, it would be sad if that was a habit and if that we were not hearing one another when we wanted to share. So we make an effort to turn towards each other as as much as we can. And I also, something I really value, and it's something that I had, I was aware of, but I hadn't put into a larger context until we were reading um, about the research last night over dinner, um, is that I really, I think when I experience something that I think is funny, or really that has any sort of emotional uh, impact, like something I see is really cool, even if it's like I'm reading a book or playing a game or whatever and something bad happens but has an emotional impact on me. Like at first, the very first thing, of course, is I feel that emotion. And my second thought is almost always that I want Holly to experience the same thing as me. I want Holly to see this thing. If it's just like a huge bird flying outside of the mm-hmm. car, which she pointed out to me recently, I always say. <laughs> always. A huge bird outside. Um, and now you're going yeah. to know that's a bird. Any, anytime we drive anywhere. Oh, look at that bird. Every time. But it's like I want. And you look. I right. do. Yeah. I look yeah. every. I make sure and say, "Wow, that's a big bird." Every time. It's very sweet, but um, it's like that's just naturally my focus. It's like an unconscious thing. It's like, oh, this thing made me really happy or had an impact on me, and I want Holly to experience the same thing. Because I don't know. I guess if I think about it too hard, uh, it's like experiences like that you, that you have are really the only like. I think everything that happens to anybody just boils down to your emotional reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Well, not everything, I guess, but in a general sense. And so it's like, that's a really magical, like un- unmeasurable thing that humans experience. And I want to share that. I yeah. want her to experience the same thing or experience the same situation in whatever way that she ends up experiencing. Like maybe she doesn't think it's as funny as I do, um, which often happens, but... I always think it's funny. Yeah, and that's like, I mean, not to get too, you know, existential, but that's kind of like part of the great human experience. We can share that with others. And it makes complete sense. That's why we want to do it. So what came to mind when y'all were talking about it is I was just thinking about what I know about y'all and your different habits and your different like interests. Like Holly is a great baker. Check her out at, at Batter and B. Oh my gosh, best cakes. So best good. cakes. And Robert loves playing video games, uh, among among other things. But like these are not things that you really do together. Like yeah, no. Robert does not try to bake and Holly does not, as a rule, play video games. <laughs> <laughs> Holly Holly, I feel like our gaming level skill level is pretty similar. Are, are the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, so. I enjoy a, a friendly friendly competitive round of Mario Kart. Yeah. Um but or Super Smash Brothers, uh, Yellow Kirby Forever. But other than that, my my video game skills are are quite limited. I don't know if competitive is the best word. But like I've seen <clears throat> both of y'all, I've seen and heard you like give genuine interest in each other's hobbies. Like I've heard Robert talk about watching you bake cakes or watching you bake or hanging out with you while you do it, and you like hanging out playing video games. Like you've talked about different storylines you like in video games. So like I just really appreciate that. <laughs> One thing I've noticed is so. Holly at Batter and B on Instagram. <laughs> when you a subtle plug, <laughs> when you post your cakes or anything, Robert has historically not used Instagram that much. But I notice whenever Holly shares a cake, Robert shares it, and he hypes her up, and it makes me feel hyped up for the cake, even if it's not my cake. And I love that. Like, it's just like supporting someone's interests, even if that's not what you're, I mean, you're not baking a cake that I know of. When I started the Batter and Bee sort of uh, journey, Robert, who, yes, historically does not use Instagram, turned on post notifications (laughs) specifically for that account so that any time that I would share something, he would get notified so he could go in and like, like and comment and share it. Um, So the support is definitely there and has always been there. And I like the point that Adrian touches on that we do have different interests. And I think that's another way that we, without using this particular language, um, with Gottman's research, 
turn towards one another mm-hmm. as opposed to turning away because we recognize that we do not have 100% common interests. And Robert is going to be passionate about things that I frankly just don't get. And I'm going to be passionate about things that are just not to his liking. But we are in a partnership. And so even if I don't love video games, if he has something exciting he wants to share with me, I'm going to turn towards him and I'm going to listen. Just like he might not be very interested in Love Island UK. The new season came out on Monday. Except for more. <laughs> but if I need to gossip about some juicy tidbit that has just happened, he will listen to me. Yeah. And he will absorb that gossip and he will dialogue with me and turn towards me in that way so that we can share that with each other instead of feeling like you're just enjoying a hobby alone, which right. is definitely... Right. Is there's a place for that, but it's not always as much fun. Yeah, yeah. you're sharing your life, which I, I really appreciate. I feel like all of these moments of turning toward each other over time really is how trust is built. Or it's one way trust is built, not the only way. Do you feel like it's helped you build trust rather than resentment in your relationship? I think it has definitely helped build trust, not maybe in the way that you traditionally think about trust. Trust, when you think trust, you think, oh, I trust this person to be honest with me. I trust this person to be reliable. I trust this person to, you know, come through for me. Like, I feel like those are traditional meanings we attach to trust. Right. Um, But I'd say specifically in this context, our ability to turn towards one another has allowed us to build trust in the fact that I am valued mm-hmm. and that he values me and I value him. That I don't have to question, well, gosh, like, does he, you know, really take me for who I am? And does he really like love every part of me and appreciate every bit of me? It it builds a sense of trust that I know he sees me, he bids for those connections with me. He turns towards me when I make bids to connect with him. And I don't have to question that that is ever present in our relationship. I don't know how direct of an answer to that question this is, because I would not have thought outside the box on the definition of trust there, but I really liked that. But I do think it has definitely built a sense of value, like Holly said, um, and not having to question that. And like, I don't really ever have to doubt that, you know, even if like the the details of whatever plot point in a game or book I'm I'm game and playing or a book I'm reading that I relate to Holly, you know, even if she has no idea what I'm talking about, you know, I'll try and give some context. And maybe she's not interested in that thing on its own merits, but I know that she's interested in my interest for it. And that makes me feel really valued because it's like, yeah, you might not care about this thing on its own. But because it's important to me, the fact that it's important to me is important to you in turn. And that just makes me feel very um, valued and, and wanted and accepted and and all that stuff. It helps me feel more confident because it's not like, oh, I like this thing that like, you know, everybody thinks is stupid or whatever. Right. To sort of, you know, build off of what Robert was explaining, I think the bids for connection and, and turning towards one another is a great way to think about that by putting value in what the other person is saying or doing or their hobby or their simple interaction with you ultimately translates to I value that person. Mm -hmm. And I think that sense of valuing one another cannot be understated. And even more so that if you, you know, as in the Gottman's research, if you turn away from those bids or sort of reject those bids for connection, Yes, maybe I just didn't acknowledge the mushroom photo in an alternate version of that story. But what that might communicate to Robert is I don't value something that he finds to be very exciting and significant. And therefore, I don't value him. And so I think those little things can build and either say, I value you and everything you choose to share with me, or I do not value you. And I don't value the things that you choose to share with me. They're not important to me. Mm-hmm. With with the photos, um, I just thought of this. It's also like I have this sense of like security and confidence that I don't have to experience this. Like when I take these little nature pictures, like it's just a quick moment and it brings me joy in the moment. And then honestly, I don't really look at them that often afterwards. I don't do anything with them. 
but I have this like confidence and security in knowing that I don't experience this excitement alone. And every time I show Holly one of these pictures, um, well, I only show the ones that I already think are good. But so then I know that I'm not going to be showing her like some terrible photo, but also that, you know, she is going to receive it very wholeheartedly and, you know, with genuine joy at looking at it. And it's just like, you know, I've, cre- I've created this little moment that could have been just for me. Um, you know, Holly didn't take the photo. Maybe she wasn't even there when I was taking the photo, but now it's something that we get to share and sharing things is always better than not sharing them. I just want to end on, we've got a rapid fire round that we call speed dating. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you both the same three questions. And I would just like you both to answer. At the same time or yeah. taking turns? I will. Let's start with Robert. Okay. Oh, boy. Here's just a light question. <laughs> Describe or define love in five words or less. <laughs> Holly's face looks so Having surprised. someone to share with. Mm, perfect. Nice. Five words and a phrase? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was just thinking of five adjectives. It could be whatever oh, you want it to I be. I thought it had to be a sentence. No, it, it I was but, real no, glad that was, that was five words. Brilliant. That, <laughs> that was concise. I like that. That was well and put. And it really relates to what we've been talking about too. Exactly. Oh, oh boy. Now I'm trying to think of a, a clever little phrase. Um, I will, my five word phrase will be sharing life's greatest adventure together. Nice. Mm. That's very sweet. That just made my heart feel warm. Same. Yeah. All right. Question two, Robert. What's a short lesson about relationships or love that you wish you could share with your younger self? You don't have to have everything in common. And like all the same things. And in fact, a lot of enrichment can come from being with somebody who likes different things than you because you experience something that, you know, maybe you never thought you would experience before. And it just opens you to new experiences and new ways of experiencing things. Mm. Where I guess when I was younger, I was just like, oh, you know, let me find somebody who likes all the same things as me. And right. it's basically me, I guess. Yeah. I think yeah. like, you know, being in relationships has definitely enriched my life in that way. For sure. But but they do have to be a super Radiohead fan. Yeah, that was a, that was a requirement. <laughs> some, yeah, some things are not. Some things cannot be debate. overlooked. Okay, um, and what about you, Holly? A lesson about love for my younger self. Mm-hmm. To embrace the person or partner that you have chosen to be with, instead of the idea of who you want to be with particularly for someone like myself where expectations are often the thief of joy to understand that someone is not maybe who you imagined in your head they would be or will turn out to be, but that is often for the better yeah. and to embrace that person for who they are. Wow. I loved that. Yeah, that's great. And expectations can totally be the thief of joy. Almost yeah. always. They yeah. are. Yeah. Always. Okay, Robert. Favorite love song? Man, I have no idea. Or, or just one of your favorite love songs? No, I'm just, I feel like I've never heard a love song before. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, me too. I'm trying to think what mine is. I'm, I don't know. If you need to pull up Spotify, what's the name of the song we used for the Beatles song that we used for the wedding slideshow? Two of Us. But I think. I'm not gonna be able to think of a single song, but I feel like there are a lot of songs where there's a line that really stands out to me. And the one that I think of the most, and the song overall, I don't think reflects this one lyric, um, but there's a song, I think it's called Ivy by Frank Ocean. And he says, I thought I was dreaming when you said you loved me. And that makes me think of Holly every single time. And mm. for a little bit, I was like, oh, that'd be a cool first dance song. And then I looked at the lyrics and I was like, oh no, it's actually not a happy song. But I feel like, I'm more so identify with individual lines than like a whole song, or at least that's what I'm gonna be able to come up with. That is a great answer. And I just looked it up, but it is called Ivy. Cool. I love that song. (laughs) My my answer will be Videotape by Radiohead. Oh, damn. I don't know it. I can't wait to listen. I'm gonna listen. It's super good and was a song that resonated with us, particularly early on in our relationship. Our line that we always go to is, you are my center when I spin away. Um, so that's something I'll always think of. Totally forgot about that in the moment. No, you're it's hard. Great. There's a your lot of incredible love songs. Yeah, it's fair. And last speed dating round. 
favorite romantic comedy? Does the Devil Wears Prada count? Where that is yeah. not Anne is, Hathaway's is that a romantic, romantic partner is her accept, career? We will accept any <laughs> any interpretation. That was just the first thing I thought of. This is a great movie, but I don't know. If it See, like one of my favorite comedy. love story movies is Pride and Prejudice, but I would not call that a romantic comedy. Although maybe it is. It is Mrs. Bennett's uh, pretty hilarious. It is kind of Actually, good. Mr. and Mrs. Bennett are both pretty I hilarious. I think you can count it. That's a great movie. I would say Pride and Prejudice. Still not a good answer, Holly. Which Pride and Prejudice? The Kira Knightley one. I agree. Agreed. Of course. I agree. Oh, I just feel like I haven't watched any rom-coms in my whole life. <laughs> I know. Me too. You loved Emma. Yeah, but is that a rom-com? I mean, it was funny. That was a great movie. I watched it like three times. We we love uh, period dramas. If you can't tell by our answers, <laughs> yeah. um, when we saw the newest version of Emma with uh, Anya Taylor Joy as the lead, that is what is uh, what inspired Robert to get married in a royal blue suit. Very cool. Uh, uh, she ends up marrying her uh, love in a royal blue yeah, suit Mr. at the end Something. of the movie, and he looked great in it. And he did yes. look great yeah. in it. I think the Devil Wears Prada is your answer. That's what you came yeah, to Yeah, I think you can say <laughs> that it. That was your gut response. Yeah, I, just, I want the gut response. That's yeah, why it's called Speed Dating. I just love that movie. Yeah. Anne Hathaway <laughs> and Meryl Streep, they were a beautiful yes. couple. Uh, I agree. I love, I love when they're together. Anne Hathaway and her expectations for the fashion industry, I think, is the couple. The, the, that, those expectations that thief of joy. Oh, her for boyfriend sure. boyfriend just kind of sucks in that movie and like isn't ever in any scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I think sure. they break up. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are, and we I feel like I learned a lot from y'all. Yeah, this was very fun. Thank you. We I are, feel very honored when you asked. I was about to say, we are so honored and so excited to be a part of this. Yeah. Thank you both. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having Thanks for <laughs> You're welcome. Are you going to say thanks for having me? Yes, no, no, no. They're to say thanks for having thanks. us. <laughs> Well, we're back from the recording with Holly and Robert, and I just want to share that someone is trying to hack into my 401k right now. What? And if it's one of y'all, please stop. (laughs) I don't have that much in there, and I need it. Yeah, that's not cool. You need that for when we're old and living in our old folks' home together. I can't wait. (laughs) I want to live in a house and pay for someone to come to us. Yes, I think that's that's uh, that's ideal for sure. Can you start increasing your retirement contributions <laughs> then because of that? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Were we going 50-50 on this? I mean, that seems fair, I guess. Don't I earn like 66 cents to the dollar for <laughs> what you earn? <laughs> Sorry, I only I only bring up cisgenderness <laughs> if it benefits me as a woman. <laughs> My god, I must stop. <laughs> um okay you think we're going 50 50 in retirement yeah i think so i mean i might make more than you as a whole but you work harder than me (laughs) i (laughs) okay not to derail our financial planning but back to our subject (laughs) holly and roberts interview love talking to them Mm -hmm. they are just oh i love them they make me feel warm they're such they're a couple who is like when you meet the two of them, you're you were like, you two belong together, you know? Yeah. You're like, no, this was, y'all were meant to be together. Yeah. I don't even I don't even necessarily believe in a one person for one person, but like I think they are just such a good match. I agree. I love what they had to say about just how intentional they were. Just like some of the little things they said about like talking to each other, making sure they weren't looking at the phone while they phones yeah. while they talk to each other, like making eye contact. I can be bad at that sometimes, yeah. so I really liked that. Yeah, I can too. So yeah, it's a good reminder that like to take time, set down your phone, like or whatever, and just really concentrate on each other. And I just love what they had to say about like they have different interests and different like hobbies and things they like to do. Yeah, but like they take time to like be interested in each other's hobbies right. and sharing life. I just love that concept of. Just sharing every piece of it with each other and how that just makes your life more full and that makes the person you're with more connected to you. And I love that. Agreed. And they've been together for what, 10, 11 years? And I feel like the way I see them interact with each other, it seems like they're 
always continuing to learn little new things about each other. And yeah. I love that. Like, I don't see them take each other for granted. Yeah. I love it. They're, and I feel like they're a couple that's always like, oh, Holly did this thing the other day. Like, Robert will be like, I know, oh, Holly did this I thing the other it. day. It's so cute. And Holly will be like, oh, Robert did this thing the other day. It's yes. so cute. And I just love, I love that energy. And I love that, I love that care for each other that they have. Agreed. It's really sweet. Yeah. Um, I did have a thought about the bids for connection. Yeah. Um, Please tell me about it. Bid so, accepted. <laughs> so I remember when I first heard about bids for connection. <laughs> we may or may not keep this in here. <laughs> oh, that means we're keeping it. Um, it was, you mentioned it because <laughs> we were out. It was us with our respective partners oh, a couple yikes. of years ago. Oh, I can't wait. And you were pointing out something to your ex <laughs> and they were not paying attention to you. Oh, that tracks. <laughs> you were like, look at this. I don't remember. We passed like this shop and you saw something in the window that you liked and you were like, look at this. And they were not interested. <laughs> Bid denied. <laughs> and then you were like, so I just read this thing about the bids for connection. <laughs> and you were like, this is a bid. Wow. We're definitely leaving that in the podcast. Um, yeah. People, meet your partner's bids. Yeah. And I'm sure I did not meet bids yeah. a lot of the time, too. Yeah. But I do remember that moment now that you pointed out. That, that is in my mind. Yeah. Meet your bids. It's yeah. so easy. It's so easy. It's such a little thing, but like it's so important. And that's the thing is like I think you can get caught up in like a oh this is just a little thing. It doesn't matter. Like you know like um, you're talking about some stupid thing that happened at the office, or you're talking about a TikTok that you saw, or like what happened on the latest season of Stranger Things, or whatever. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, like right. it's, is. Are any of those things that important? No, they're not that important. But that is like all of those things add up. So much of our life is the little mundane, unimportant things. And if we're not sharing those with each other, then like you're not sharing your full life with each other. So true. Meet your partner's bids. Go check out the Gottman's Institute. You said they have an Instagram account? Yes, follow their Instagram at Gottman Institute. That's G-O-T-T-M-A-N, Gottman Institute. Yeah, check them out. Any closing thoughts or any final thoughts on the Gottmans or their research? or bids? Just that I'm going to remember how important the little things are more. Yeah. In friendships and relationships. Yeah, so true. Do I meet your bids enough? You do meet my bids. You sure? Yeah, you do. Okay, you meet yeah. my bids. Yeah, I think we, I feel like we meet each other's bids. We do. Mm, love that. We'll be like, here's this TikTok. And I'll be like, here's this tweet. And I always love it. <laughs> yes, it's always good. Oh, all right. Have a great day, everyone. Meet someone's bid today. Yes. And request a bit of your own. Yes, ask for it. Like if you're not. If you're not getting it, ask for it. Yes. Asking for bids is hot. Yeah. Episode title. All right. Can't wait to talk with y'all next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Follow along on our socials at Open Heart Surgery Pod on Instagram, Open Heart Pod on Twitter, and Open Heart Surgery Podcast on Facebook. This podcast is produced by Adrian and Susanna with music by Space Baby and logo design by Emma. This is a Lost Frequency audio production. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Bold Ginger Ale. Be bold. <laughs> I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end with a soliloquy that will make everyone cry, and y'all will be like, "I don't remember that."